this is causing friction this is the podcast where we get a little uncomfortable a little awkward on our journey of healing through mindfulness and becoming self-aware Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. In this week's episode, I want to discuss the concept of how our world has been suppressing emotions for far too long. We no longer give ourselves permission to feel, and we don't know how to regulate our emotions, and we kind of feel like we don't have control over them whatsoever. I find it so strange that we never were taught or even explained how vast of a roster of emotions we all have inside of us and just how important that roster is. I also think that we were children who felt emotions deeply. And if you were told by a parent that you were a sensitive child, there was no action from your parents to assist your nervous system in soothing. They kind of just chalked it up to you being sensitive and kind of let you suffer or told you maybe that something was wrong with you. And to stop being so emotional, stop being so sensitive. And they really left it at that. So of course, now as an adult, you're going to struggle to regulate your own emotions. And all of this has left you confused. Maybe it's even forced you to ignore your own feelings and disassociate from emotions on a regular basis. What happened was we didn't understand as a child that there were going to be consequences of suppressing, of disassociating. And that is what happens after ignoring and suppressing how you feel is led to mind-body disconnection. It can lead to difficulty in romantic relationships. It can lead to having difficulty relating to other people or creating true connections. It can create issues with self-identity. This week's episode is all about how we can heal that part of ourselves, how we can get back in control of our emotions and learn to self-regulate again, or maybe even for the first time. So let's start with how we perceive emotions. We tend to chalk emotions up to being bad or somehow categorize someone who feels a vast range of emotions deeply as someone who isn't normal. And that's not fair. Society has become obsessed with who can care less, who can feel less, who can show less emotion. And this has completely numbed us and denied us of something that keeps us connected and keeps us human. And that's our feelings. That is our emotions. And emotions aren't necessarily bad or good. They're just a feeling. And I think that's the mindset we really need to move towards. And I think it's fair to say that most people categorize sad, defeated, depressed, anxious, all as negative emotions and really bad feelings that you just don't want to experience, which is fine and may be true if you are already incredibly self-aware. But if we are categorizing them without thinking past its label, we essentially are punishing ourselves for feeling that kind of way. And what happens when we punish ourselves for feeling sad or depressed or defeated or anxious even, is that we are punishing ourselves yet again for something that we struggle to control. And it builds up that shame for feeling these kinds of ways. We never were explained to that feelings of anger, feelings of guilt, they in turn can make us feel bad, but that doesn't make us bad as a whole. So many of us fight our true feelings and won't let ourselves feel the truth because we didn't think we were allowed to feel them. And 
it could have gotten to such a point where you're now numb and maybe you feel that you don't have the vocabulary to put your feelings or emotions into words. It could also be that you experience intense outbursts now because you bottle up your emotions for an extremely long time and just when your body can't take it anymore, you explode. It could also be situations where you grew up having big feelings and they were deemed unstable and being too sensitive. Or maybe there was a situation where people didn't know how to speak to you or approach you because they were scared of the reaction that you were going to have. They were scared that you were going to have an inappropriate reaction or react incorrectly in their eyes. So we pushed them away. We pushed away our big feelings. And if they do creep up, we do not allow ourselves to go through the waves of all of those emotions. We stop ourselves the second we feel something that makes us hyper aware of just how human we are. We would rather live on autopilot, just coasting, just getting by, not having to experience any of those big feelings or disrupt this kind of content life. But all emotions are to be felt. We forget that emotions are just part of our biology. They are unavoidable no matter how hard we try to ignore them. And they are necessary and healthy. And that is what I want to get at at this week's episode. That experiencing a wide range of emotions is part of healing and part of growing and part of learning. And learning from how experiences can make you feel is also how we learn just how big and grand and amazing life is. And that is incredibly important. We also have gotten this far as humans because of our emotions, because of that biology. Think of fear. Fear is a necessary emotion because it helps sense danger. And when you sense danger, you can critically assess your situation and how to remove yourself because your intuition kicked in because you felt fear. So something pisses you off. Someone lies to you potentially. We've trained ourselves to ignore that anger or to stay incredibly calm because we're convinced that maybe it's not a big deal. But you're allowed to make it a big deal. You are allowed to be angry. You are allowed to sit there with that anger and feel that anger. Be distraught. Be flabbergasted. Be uneasy. You're allowed to go through the confusing waves of emotions from deep sadness, feeling mistrust, feeling the dishonesty. It's important that we don't ignore the true raw emotion when it first occurs. That we don't try to hide it, push it away, downplay it. Feel the feeling as deeply as necessary. But where we are going to be mindful is in the reactionary phase. It's what you do with that big feeling, that anger, is where people are often misled. It's learning to process the emotion without having an impulsive or automatic reaction that feels completely out of your control, which we usually later regret. The tricky part about all of this is we weren't taught how to not be reactionary. Instead, we were taught to just not feel. We weren't even taught how to know exactly what we are feeling or what that translates to physically and mentally. And that is really what we should have been taught. Not to hide our feelings and ignore them, but how to process and accept before we react and before we potentially hurt someone else's feelings or hurt our own feelings with spiraling and negative self-talk. And I don't just mean with emotions that we associate with negative feelings either. Remember the very first time you got butterflies 
because of excitement or joy or lust or passion you felt towards another person. That's a big feeling. And imagine all of the times that you could have felt butterflies, but instead we trained our brains and bodies to go numb, to shelter and protect our hearts, protect our image. We have dimmed ourselves to protect our families or those around us and their feelings, and in turn lost out on so many potential big feelings that could have brought us joy. So how do we learn to regulate our emotions? How do we accept the feelings for what they are and not be reactionary? Well, we need to understand what emotions we're feeling and what exactly they are doing for us. So in this specific mindfulness practice, we're becoming more self-aware and we're tuning in, slowing down and getting specific with our language when we have a big feeling arise. And emotions are incredibly useful tools. They communicate with us when we can put things into words, how we're feeling, and that will strengthen our communication with others. It's extremely common for us to use words to describe our physical state instead of emotional state. And I think this is part of language issues. And this is a really great first step to start if you want to regulate your emotions. So watch out for terminology like saying you're tired, you have a headache, your stomach hurts. Is there an actual physical pain? Analyze how you are physically feeling. Is there a physical pain? Yes or no? Is it potentially related to something else that you're feeling and ignoring? Are you tired or are you feeling defeated? Does your stomach hurt or are you anxious about something you know is going to cause you discomfort? Exploring emotional verbiage is key in mindfulness in anyone's journey here. And if you listen carefully to this episode, you will notice that I try to include some of the language so that you can carry it with you after. Next, it's important to understand emotions help us make decisions and that emotions will drive you and help dictate your decision making. It's kind of that old saying, I go with my heart, not my head. Or I go with my head instead of my heart. When you go with your heart, you're making decisions based off of your emotions instead of logically thinking through a situation. You're not thinking of potential outcomes, consequences, which is what going with your head is doing instead. But what we want to achieve in this mindfulness practice is to have them working in harmony. We want your heart and your head to work together. If you are always thinking logically, and never listening to your heart, never taking into account how you feel, you're probably going to wind up disconnected in love, in relationships, and maybe feel isolated or misunderstood as a person. And that's because you genuinely don't understand yourself. So how can others know you on a deeper level? How can others truly get to know the real you if you don't even know yourself? And again, not knowing yourself or having emotional intelligence can come down to not having the right words and vocabulary because you spent so long going with your head instead of your heart or the two of them in harmony. This is extremely common for males. I do know a few females who struggle with this as well, but if you tend to always go with your head instead of your heart, you're going to struggle with having the words to describe what you're feeling. And when someone has those words, maybe a partner in a relationship, that can be intimidating and scary, or potentially even off-putting. And you can begin to feel uncomfortable in their presence when they are expressing those emotions 
and it will make you want to shut down and go numb. If someone who can articulate their emotions and feelings, if someone who can articulate their emotions and feelings, if that intimidates you, I want you to ask yourself, why? Why is there discomfort? The truth, deep down, typically is jealousy, that what we don't like in others tends to be a projection. And in this case, it's a projection of fear or shame. And for those who identify with this, I want to let you know that you're not alone and that there is no fear or shame here. There's so many people out there who lean more towards logic because it feels safe. They don't let their heart get in the game and that's why we're talking about this. They think that they're protecting themselves and maybe they are, but they're also closing themselves off from opportunities. The first step towards harmony between heart and head is really apologizing to yourself and then asking for forgiveness. And when you grant yourself forgiveness for denying your heart, for not listening, for not allowing it to feel and explore emotions, you now can step into harmony and learn how to accept, process, and articulate those emotions. It really just takes practice. Practice stopping your logical side from taking over and leaving space for your heart to come into play again. So next time that you're faced with a conflict or your logic feels like it wants to take over, give your heart a chance. Trust that it will not lead you astray, but open you up to possibilities, new opportunities, and even new challenges. Your logic will always be there when you need to think through a solution. It's not going anywhere. You just need to give your heart a chance. Now, for the other side, the all heart and no head, we are the kind of people who go straight to being reactionary. And this is for the people who find themselves easily overwhelmed in conflict and situations where they feel almost blinded by an emotion that they can't actually see or evaluate the situation or take it for what it is. They're just overwhelmed with the emotion and tend to lose control. Now, this episode is called regulating your emotions, but you can't regulate your emotions if you can't regulate your reactions. Now, people who tend to feel more deeply than others, you already know what you're feeling. You're hypersensitive to not just your feelings, but other people's feelings around you. What you need to work on is regulating your reactions instead. With those who are reactionary, and more specifically, maybe in romantic relationships or even friendship relationships or parental relationships, there could be a pattern from childhood that I want to encourage you to reflect on. Um, did you maybe have to walk on eggshells in your household as a child to not upset an adult that was living with you or around frequently? Did you maybe have to ignore your own emotions and manage those of someone else on a regular basis? And in turn, now, do you feel overwhelmed with big feelings in your own relationships and sometimes you want to explode? If you are saying yes and identifying with this, I hear you <laughs> loud and clear and I see you. This is so much more common than we realize. This stems from parents who didn't know how to regulate their own emotions. They didn't have an outlet for talking through their big feelings and would create a distressed space where there wasn't room for anyone else's feelings or emotions. But now you're an adult. You can give yourself compassion. 
you need to give yourself compassion and you need to love that you get to feel things so deeply when so many people don't. And now you need to accept that you have a safe space to feel deeply. And if you want to work through those big feelings and calm that reactionary side, use more logic. This all just means that you want to learn how to process and how to collect those big feelings and not have them explode. But sit inside of you and acknowledge and accept, process, and then articulate what you are thinking. And again, it's learning the verbiage, it's learning the vocabulary. But it's also, for my reactionary humans, it's the few moments in between. It's the middle part where you have to actively choose to not react and to slow down and to think. The best way to do so is to count in your head or out loud. When you recognize a big feeling coming up and you get to that point of being self-aware enough that you can feel it physically coming on, you have a choice in that moment. You have the power to choose your next move. And before you make the decision, I want to encourage you to try counting. Much like what we learned with how to listen attentively, right? When you're learning to listen mindfully, you're learning to leave space for the other person to finish a full thought. And that's exactly what we can do when you want to lean more towards your head instead of your heart. Give yourself three to five seconds to pause process and ask yourself what is it exactly in this situation that is making me feel distressed that is making me feel sad that is making me feel angry and it could be that you did not like someone's tone with the way that they approached you or the situation it could also be that you felt threatened by that tone or maybe you were caught completely off guard so it made you feel defensive like you needed to protect yourself because the situation made you feel unsafe and your heart was just trying to protect you by reacting in the moment. Understanding the few second window that you have to actually process is how your heart and head can work together in harmony to regulate your emotions. The last key element in regulating emotions is decreasing emotional suffering. Now, that sounds intense, but that's because it is. This is something in mindfulness that is extremely common in DBT. It is in those overwhelming moments of sadness, deep hopelessness, misery, sorrow, distress, discontentment. The lesson is learning that these emotions are usually linked with self-destructive behaviors. And it's typically that majority of the emotions are brought on by shame. And as I have discussed many times now, shame has a strong hold on us, but we have the power to make it not weigh so damn heavy. The method used to assist those feeling, those deep, negative, sometimes debilitating emotions is taking opposite action. I've talked about this before actually on my Instagram because this is something that I've learned to do. I'm going to straight up say is difficult. It's in those moments of sadness and depression, you want to crawl into bed. You want to ignore responsibility. You want to procrastinate. 
That's self-destructive behavior. And what we know needs to happen in these moments is the exact opposite. And that, without a doubt, is the hardest part of emotional regulation because you have to train your body and brain to do the opposite of what it desperately thinks it needs. So, for example, I don't keep up with my exercise or let's call it movement. I don't like saying exercise because I find that it personally stresses me out. Um, It puts a lot of pressure on myself and I tend to be really hard on myself. So I won't categorize going for a walk as exercise, even though by the literal definition it is. So anyways, movement. When I don't get in movement on the daily, I tend to lean more towards sadness. And a lot of people have that in common. Moving our bodies just brings the life back into us and it gets the blood flowing. I've been saying for a couple of weeks now that movement is medicine. So when I remember that I haven't really moved with intention in a couple of days and I'm starting to get bouts of sadness and feelings of despair, first, my reaction is to revel in it, sit with it, go to bed, soak in that sadness because misery loves company. But what mindfulness teaches you is to do the opposite. In that split second, again, you have a choice. You can go to bed and feel worse, or you can turn around, go outside for a walk, and feel relief, maybe feel joy, and maybe feel some comfort. Learning how to do the opposite is the hardest part of this mindfulness journey. But when researching this topic, I came across a quote from Dr. Judy Ho, and she said, Sadness is communicating a need that isn't being met. And I don't think that could sum up this week's episode any better. Thank you so much for listening. That's all I have for this week's episode. Share this with your friends. Share this on your Instagram stories. Thank you so much for your support. I will see you next time.